Amen. All right. Well, hey, Merry Christmas. It's so good to see you all. Welcome. Uh, my name is Matt, and I'm one of the pastors here. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, I just want to say that I'm so glad that you're here with us to celebrate Christmas Eve tonight. It is just such a joy, and there's something special about being here in the evening. Isn't it nice? It's great, and we got the candles going. It's, it's beautiful. So uh, as we get started, or continue, I should say, let's pray one more time together, shall we? God, we uh, are filled with joy tonight as we gather in your name to worship you, to uh, sing to you, to look to your word, and again to remember your story, Lord, this true story that has changed our lives forever, the hope and the joy that we have in Christ that you, God, sent your Son And you came to us. You were born of the Virgin Mary. You walked among us. You taught us. And ultimately, you died for us and rose again. And so, Jesus, we celebrate you tonight. Again, with uh, full hearts of gratitude and hope for your presence here. We, We thank you, Lord. We give you this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, let me read for us from John chapter 1. It says this in verse 14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then skipping down to verse 18, it says this. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is Himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made Him known. You know, Christmas time can be a season of great joy. I think that many of us experience that, the food and the traditions and the memories, and hopefully we all have a a night filled with joy ahead with the people that we love, but Christmas can also be a time and a season of anxiety and stress. And for me, that's largely around the concept of gift giving. Um, I talked about this a little bit on Sunday morning if you were here, but my wife, Amber, is a fantastic gift giver. She, she loves it. And some of you out there are like that. Like when Christmas comes around, you're like, put me in, coach. It's time to buy some gifts. Like if buying gifts was a sport, you would go pro. You know, like you love it. You're all about it. And that's my wife, and it's fantastic. I'm grateful for people like you. But there's a lot of people out there, I think, that are like me, where it, it brings you stress, right? Thinking about buying gifts. It's not that you don't like giving gifts to people, but it's, it's stressful trying to figure out what to get. And, and who to get gifts for, and you want to make sure that the gift you get people is, is not like too big and over the top, but it's not too small, of course, but it's, it's just right, and it's hard not knowing what to get, and it's hard not knowing how the person you're giving to is going to respond, and so hopefully it's Christmas Eve, and so not too many of us are still stressing about what to get. <laughs> hopefully we've got that figure it out, but uh, maybe not 
But I think you, you see what I'm saying? Just the stress, the uncertainty of not knowing. And we live in a world where uncertainty and not knowing extends uh, far beyond just Christmas gift giving. We live in an uncertain world where we often wonder if we're hearing the truth from people. We have public figures and politicians and people that say things, but we wonder behind closed doors, are they, is that who they are? Is that really true? Is that really the case? Especially when it comes to spiritual matters, we have uncertainty out in the world, right? People wonder. There's so many beliefs and opinions and thoughts about uh, what is ultimately true about this life and uh, the life to come and if there even is one. And so we kind of settle into this uncertainty about ultimate reality. And we, of course, don't want to come across arrogant. And again, we live in a uh, society with many different viewpoints. And so we kind of settle into this, well, who really, who knows, you know, what is true? I don't want to come down too hard on one opinion. And so we kind of have this low-grade anxiety uh, and uncertainty about not knowing uh, in our hearts kind of all the time. And that can weigh us down. And yet, in that reality, we have the truth of Christmas and the event of Christmas breaking through and communicating something else to us. And maybe you notice that in the text that we read tonight. Verse 18 from John chapter 1, it said this, No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has what? Has made him known. Jesus has made him God known. Jesus has communicated to us who God is and what God is like. He has made God known. And this fits in quite interestingly, to the rest of the Bible. If we look at the Old Testament and the New Testament, we see all over the place this reality that God is so big and holy and majestic and just beyond what we are even able to comprehend. He's this sovereign, perfect creator of all things. I mean, the one who upholds all of life and existence in his hands by his word and by his power. And so we can only catch these little little glimpses of who God is. And so the authors of Scripture uh, rightly have this, this reverence before God, this, this holy awe before God and who He is. And say we can only catch the, the smallest picture of who He is because He is so big and majestic. And, and notice, though, what we find in John chapter 1. We don't find the author of the Gospel of John kind of just throwing up his hands and like, well, who knows anything anyways? Can we really know what God is like? He's just so big and majestic and vast. And we just throw up our hands and say we're not even going to try. No, notice what he says. This amazing truth that, yes, that big, perfect, holy, beautiful, righteous God has made himself known to the world in the person of Jesus Christ. 
So God has not just left us to kind of stumble around in the darkness and throw up our our best guesses about who he is and, and what God is like. No, he's communicated to us, revealed himself to us, and we see that at Christmas. You know, there's this old proverb in philosophy about an elephant and a blind group of blind men. Maybe you've heard about that. And it goes a little something like this. Uh, There's a group of blind men that encounter an elephant, and they're trying to make sense of the elephant. But again, they're blind, so they can't see. And so they start kind of like feeling around on the elephant, and they're all uh, feeling different parts of the elephant. And so one man grabs like the tusk of the elephant and is like, wow, this is smooth and kind of sharp at the end. It's really strong, and so elephants must be like vehicles of war, and they're like really stout and and dangerous, and so we should really fear elephants. But then the next blind guy is like feeling the the trunk of the elephant that's all kind of like flimsy and floppy and kind of like a snake, and he's like, oh, elephants must be really squishy, and they just kind of like, you know, swim around or slime around or something like that, and that's what an elephant is really like. And then another blind guy is like feeling the legs of the elephant. is like, these are massive legs. This is just like a big giant cow that doesn't even move at all. It just kind of stands there. And, and then, you know, another blind guy is grabbing the tail. And you, you get what I'm saying? They're all kind of feeling a different part of the elephant. And, and the idea that the proverb is trying to teach is that, you know, we all have a little picture of the truth. We can't see the whole picture. We get a little bit of it. And so it's kind of arrogant to make big, like, universal claims about what is true because we're all blind and we only get a little bit of the picture. And so based on our limited experience, we shouldn't draw too big of conclusions. And so you see that story kind of reinforces what? This uncertainty. You know, who really knows for sure? We all, like, get a little bit of something and we, there's probably some truth to that. And, uh, but, but here's the reason I bring that up. I think there are some okay things we could learn from that proverb. But if we are to apply that proverb to ultimate reality and to what we believe about God and the world, then I think it falls so short of really explaining what is true. And there's a number of reasons for that, but the first one that I just want us to consider tonight is it assumes that the elephant cannot speak. All right, think about that. It assumes that the elephant is mute. But, but consider for a moment, what if that elephant could speak? What if that elephant could communicate to the group of blind men and say, hey, guys, I'm an elephant. Nice to meet you. Uh, he, those are my tusks. Here's how those work. These are, those are my legs. And no, I'm not just a big cow. I do kind of move around. And, and here's my snout. And here's how that works. Like, what if the elephant could speak? We see in John chapter 1 that that is exactly what God has done. He's not left us just blind to kind of feel around and hope that we can make sense. He's, he's spoken. He's made himself known. He's communicated to us. Here's who I am. Here's what I'm like. You can know me personally. Here's what I think. Here's how I feel about you. Here's how you can be made right with me. Look to Jesus. Jesus has made God known in his grace and his kindness and his forgiveness for all the world. 
And what's so amazing about the Christmas story is not just that God has made himself known, but how he chose to do that. Right? Did you see that in verse 14 that we read? John 1, verse 14. It says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so how did God make himself known? John 1, it starts off by saying, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so John is using this kind of poetic, creative way of explaining who God is, and he's using the word, Word, but he's referring to Jesus. And he's saying, the Word was God, and the Word, in verse 14, became flesh. God himself showed up on the scene. God himself stepped into our world. This is God incarnate, the incarnation. God dwelling among us, moving into the neighborhood, as some have said. Some say a a thousand times in history, a baby has become a king, but only one time in history has a king become a baby. That's what God has done. Hebrews 1 verse 1 puts it this way, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets and at many times and in various ways. And then in verse 2, he says, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. And so here's how God has most fully revealed himself to the world. The son of God, Jesus Christ. And so God didn't just send a gospel blimp in the air, up in the sky, for us to see a message. You know, he didn't just write a letter and drop it in the mail and wait for it to arrive. He didn't just get on his Instagram and like record a little story video and kind of start talking and telling us about what he wanted us to know. No, he, he showed up in person. He came personally to us. I read an article today that said it, uh, he is the artist who stepped into his own painting or the author who wrote himself into his own book. He, he showed up on the scene. And think about with me just in your life how powerful it is when someone shows up. You know, when some, they didn't just send a text. They didn't just send a card for you. They, they showed up. They knocked on your door. Maybe it was in a time of grief. Things were hard. Just lost a loved one. And someone showed up and they sat on your couch and they made you some tea. They patted you on the back and gave you a hug. There's, there's something powerful about presence, right? Someone showing up. I still remember back in high school, I, I played water polo. Anybody else? No? All right. That usually goes pretty quick. Nobody. Um, played water polo, and I was also involved in my church youth group, and I, I, there was this new leader in our youth group, and I I was telling him, yeah, I play water polo, and he was like, okay, cool, and I still, you know, didn't really know who this leader was, he was an adult, and I was like, is he cool, does he care about me, I don't really know, but um, later that week, excuse me, it was the next week, his family came to my water polo game, like in, in person, like they, sh- they were there, and I, and I barely knew this guy, and I was like, blown away, it's like, what, what, are, you, what are you doing here, <laughs> like, well, I just wanted to come and see you, watch your game. I was 
blown away to the point where I, I still remember this story years later, and I'm telling it to you now. That's how much of an impact it made because he showed up. And that communicated something. It was more than just a text or a call. It cost him something, and their family had to make time out of their day and reorient their schedule and get to the place on time and say hi and watch the game. And then, yeah, There's all these different things that go into that, and so with God, again, we do not have a God who just sent a gospel blimp or wrote a letter, a God who showed up in the flesh. It says, this is who I am. You know, a lot of times we think about God as being far away or uninterested or unreachable, but at Christmas we remember that it's the exact opposite, actually. God is near. He came down to us to walk among us at great cost to himself, leaving the comforts of heaven to come and walk with us. You know, as we close this morning, we... we this morning... You know, we're used to being here in the morning. Um, as we close tonight, uh, we, we read earlier Luke chapter 2. Darren was reading the Christmas story that we tell again and again, this true story that Jesus came, that Jesus was born, and the announcement the angels gave was that this day in the city of David, a Savior has been born. A Savior has come. And that's where we, we see that, that at Christmas, it's not just God making himself known. It's not just God coming to us in a personal way and being close to us and wanting to walk with us. But we see that God came to save us. He came to rescue us and, and save us from our sins and from death and judgment and be reconciled into a relationship with him came to live and to die for us so that all who would trust in Jesus Christ and put their faith in him would be forgiven of their sins, reconciled to God, given eternal life, new life now and uh, forever. I mean, this is the gospel. This is the good news that we proclaim that Jesus came to us again, not to just pat us on the back and hang out with us. He, he came to save us, came to rescue us, and we believe that he has done that, and he can transform our lives for whoever puts their trust in him. And so, friends, in this world of uncertainty, we have this anchor. God has not left us. God has made himself known. We can know him. He has saved us. And we've been using these candles at Advent time. Advent is a word that means coming, and we have four Sundays in Advent. It's this season in the church calendar where we try to enter in with, with longing and expectation, looking to the coming of Jesus as the people of God, waiting for God to come and fulfill his promises and do all that he has said he would do. And kind of each week, we, we've added a candle to it started with just one being lit, then two, then three, kind of symbolically showing this growing anticipation. And as the Gramlow family showed us now, that, that last candle has been lit, the, the Christ candle, to, to symbolize and remind us that the wait is over. Right? Jesus has arrived. Christ has come. 
And that's what we get to celebrate tonight as a church family, that God our Savior came to us. And so what we're going to do is not just leave the, the fire here in kind of a neat, nice little contained place for you to look at and be like, that's pretty, but it's kind of removed. It's up on stage. It's not really, you know, down here in the real world. And so what we're going to do is we're going to light these candles that you all have, which remind us that, again, the light of Christ is not just something for us uh, to look at that's pretty and way far away, but it's something that actually enters into our world and meets us where we are. God's grace and his love and his presence. And so from this candle, we're going to light all of the rest in just a moment. And we're going to sing one last song to celebrate together. But a quick word of uh, candle training for everybody. (laughs) Just to make sure nobody gets hot wax poured on them. Uh, If your candle is lit, like if if this was on fire, you hold it straight up, okay? (laughs) Always. Okay, always do not tip it. If your candle is not lit, then you can tip it sideways, right, into the flame, and then yours becomes lit, and then it stays upright, right? Okay, so if it's lit, upright. If it's not lit, sideways, okay? Sound good? I'm going to pray for us. We're going to light the candles, um, and then we'll sing. Jesus, we we worship you tonight. You are uh, the hero of the story. You are our king. You are our savior. And so it gives us great joy to sing about you, to sing to you, to remember who you are and what you have done, that you came to us. You were born. You lived. You taught us. You died for us. And you rose again. So we sing your story tonight. Thank you for all that you have done for us. Pray that you'd be glorified now in this time. In Jesus' name, amen.